Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This week, we're going to tackle the hot topic (laughs) of air conditioning in your van. We'll also talk about some of the tech involved with LED lights, a tale from the road involving glowing worms, and a product review of something you may not have considered essential to van life, a standing mat. But let's jump right in and see what happens. Oh, you jumped in. Excellent. Okay. Thanks very much for listening to this episode 15. Before we start, I have a favor to ask. I'm at the point now in this podcast where I have to ask you folks to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Podbean or Stitcher or Pocket Cast or whatever the heck it is that you're listening to me on. It's a little thing actually means a lot for the spread of the podcast and what's going to motivate me to keep doing the podcast is to keep seeing numbers go up yeah it's kind of petty and honestly it's not that important as long as i know some people are listening i'll keep doing the podcast but that one little thing you could do would actually mean a lot to me so thank you very much and if you'd like write a review And if you have stuff you want changed or you have ideas for future things, please send them to me at jeff at builttogo.com. I was recently kicked off of Facebook, so if you've written to me on Facebook, I haven't been able to see it. I hope to get back on Facebook this week. It's a very long story. It's boring and it has nothing to do with van life, but I've lost access to my Built to Go Facebook page, which means... I can't respond to you. I know someone wrote a question in there about uh, Windows, which I will address in a future episode. So if that was you, thank you. And I apologize that I haven't been able to write back. All right, let's jump right into the topic at hand, which is air conditioning in a van. Imagine this. You've just had your best van life day ever. You've been climbing rock spires or hiking next to beautiful streams or riding horses or going for a walk or visiting museums in your favorite city or whatever it is that you think is the best day you can spend. You've just had that day and it's at the height of summer and you come back to your van and you open the doors and you're greeted by the breath of an oven. It is hot and uncomfortable And boy, you're going to be thrilled to just get in there and flip on that AC and have that nice cool air that will carry you off into the evening. And you're probably dreaming because that button doesn't exist. And most likely you are not going to be able to have air conditioning in your van. Every time I say that, I get angry people calling me crazy saying, of course you can have air conditioning in your van. And yet, when I ask them to show me how, they never can. So we're going to talk about that right now in depth. And I wanted to bring that up front so that your expectations wouldn't be set high in the idea that I have a solution to the air conditioning in van problem. I mean, I do, but it is probably not practical. So go ahead and get used to the idea of not having air conditioning in your van. Okay, that said, why not? Why can't I have air conditioning in my van? RVs have air conditioners, right? Cars have air conditioners. Why can't I get in my van and flip a switch or turn a dial and have a cool van? Well, there are three big problems with you having air conditioning in your van. First is power. Air conditioners use a lot of power and it's almost always going to be electrical power. So you need a massive amount of electrical power 
to power your air conditioners. But you say, well, you need a massive amount of power to power your hair dryer too, or to power your microwave, and people have those in vans. Yes, they do, but they don't run them all day long. And that's really the problem. If you think of this like a water thing, electricity is mysterious and people don't understand it. And I find that when I start talking about it, uh, I, people's eyes glaze over and they can't fathom it because you can't see it. So I'm going to use the analogy of water whenever I talk about power. So let's say you're going to use your hair dryer and it uses a pint of water to dry your hair in the morning. Okay, pint of water, that's, you know, it's not no water, but it's, a, it's a, an amount that you can manage. Using your air conditioner all day long is using like 20 gallons of water. It's a much more serious problem. And uh, this is the same problem electric heaters have too. It's just too much power to be practical. Oh, but you say, if that's the only problem, we can solve that. We'll just add more batteries. Okay, yes. Let's say you spend $4,500 on a big bank of lithium batteries. Can you run an air conditioner in your van for several hours? Yes, you can. That will work. But the problem then is, how do you charge your batteries? Now, if you're driving around, it could take as long as 10 hours to charge a battery bank that size. Or if you're using solar, let's say you have a ton of solar. Every space on your roof is covered with solar. During the day, that solar's power is going to go almost entirely to powering the air conditioner, leaving no room for charging the batteries. And then at night... If it's too hot to sleep with the air conditioner off, suddenly you've got the problem of you're using up your reserves that you cannot charge in the morning. Then you say, okay, fine, we won't do solar. We'll do a generator. <laughs> Guess what, folks? That is the best solution for having air conditioning in your van, is to run it off of a generator. But then you've got all the generator problems. <laughs> what are the generator problems? Well, you need to buy a big heavy, somewhat stinky thing and carry it around with you. And when you use it, it makes a lot of noise and noxious gases. And most people who are near you will hate you. In fact, if you're in a campground, you generally can't use a generator during sleeping hours. Plus, you're going to need to have fuel for this thing. And you may say, oh, well, I'll just tap into the fuel of the vehicle. Sure, you can do that. There are gasoline and diesel and propane generators you can get. But they use a substantial amount of fuel. I mean, it's not that much, but to power an air conditioner, you could be using enough fuel that it would cost you as much as 10 bucks a night in fuel. Generators probably are the best solution for air conditioning, but you, you still don't believe me. I can tell. I can hear it through the wires that aren't existing between us. Why don't you believe me? Because there's a lot of people telling you that it can be done. Let's talk about why they're wrong. So, um, there, there are the big three problems, right? So the first problem was power. You understand that now, I think. The second is space. Where are you going to put this thing? Air conditioners are big. So the simplest air conditioner you can get for your van is just a 5,000 BTU window unit. They're like 150 bucks. They're not even expensive. And what a lot of people used to do in the old days is in a full-size Chevy or Ford or Dodge van is they'd remove one of the rear windows from the back doors and stick the air conditioner out that window. And that works fine. You still have the power problems, but then you also have a security problem because you have this big hole in your van that someone can just push that air conditioner through and crawl through and get into your van. The thing can fall out and it's this big heavy thing in an awkward place. 
All the air conditioning solutions I have seen for vans have a space problem. It's a very large thing you have to put in your van. And generally, you can't remove it easily in the winter, so it's going to be a permanent install. Now, there are air conditioners that um, kind of stand on the floor and then have a hose that you'll use for a vent. You could conceivably move those around if you had a big enough fan and take them out in the winter. You still have the third problem. And the third problem is noise. I've mentioned before that I used to have a very large diesel pusher RV, a Wander Lodge. Loved the thing. It had two air conditioners, one in the front and one in the back. So at night, you could just cool the bedroom, which I did, and it worked great. Uh, it, I had a massive generator in that thing. Uh, I was always cool in that RV, but I was almost deaf as well. Air conditioners are loud, and when you put them in a small space like a van, they're very, very loud. And I'm somebody who always sleeps with a fan on. I love white noise, but the air conditioner in that Wander Lodge was so loud that in the morning when I finally turned it off, it was this wave of relief, like, ah, I can hear again. So those are the big three things that are going to prevent you from having AC in a van. So those are the big three things that are going to prevent you from having AC in a van. Oh, but wait, I hear you saying it now. What about zero breeze and these portable things that are made for tents? I mean, if they work in tents, surely they'll cool your van. Do they actually cool tents? Let's take the zero breeze in particular. This is a fairly expensive machine about the size of a shoebox that, uh, is, a, is an actual air conditioner. It actually has a compressor in it. It works the same as a window air conditioner unit. Why wouldn't that work in your van? Well, read the reviews and be very careful about how you read the reviews. Apparently, the company Zero Breeze does not have a great reputation for two things, representing their product in a factual way and customer service. It does seem like this device will blow cold air, but not in a way that's actually going to be too useful. And they're like $800. You might find them cheaper now, but it's a lot of money for something that's going to provide very little cooling. And they're incredibly loud. One guy described them as sounding like a jet engine. So that's a big investment for something that probably won't work. And honestly, be very careful when you read the reviews and make sure you find the real world ones. They are generally not favorable. Oh, but you're thinking, oh, I don't need to spend 900 bucks. I can just go to Walmart and get one of those Arctic Breeze things. I mean, the 39 bucks, and there's cold air coming out of them. That's all I need, right? Ah, now you have entered into the magical world of evaporative cooling. Evaporative cooling is the simplest form of cooling. It's been around for thousands of years, and it does work. It works on the principle that when water evaporates, it absorbs heat and thus acts like an air conditioner. It absorbs heat because the air is, is holding the water and increasing humidity. So yes, you can trade temperature for humidity, but do you really want to think about that? You could have a van that was 90 degrees and dry or a van that was 80 degrees and humid which is actually more comfortable. In my opinion, it's the dry van, even if it's hotter. And that's because our bodies are constantly producing sweat, not like dripping sweat like you just ran a marathon, but there's always a thin layer of moisture on your skin. 
And when that evaporates, it cools our bodies off. So in a dry environment, even a small fan will provide a lot of comfort. Uh, in a humid environment, not so much because that water can't leave your skin. So you end up feeling sticky, which is simply your water being unable to leave your skin. These little cheap evaporative coolers, and some of them aren't so cheap. I mean, you can get full-size ones, do cool, but they don't cool in a way that you necessarily want them to, unless you live in the desert. If you live in the desert, if your humidity is like 15%, an evaporative cooler can do wonders for you, especially if you can vent it outside. So that's something to look into. Another thing you can do is just hang a wet towel over an open window and have a fan suck air through it. That will also produce exactly the same effect. So folks, I'm sorry to say, air conditioning in a van is probably not going to happen for you. If, you are gonna, if you're desperate to make it happen, I wish you all the luck in the world. Do the math on the money you have to spend on batteries, on the expense of the type of inverter you need, and then good for you if you can make it work. And if you have a simple solution, please let me know. I will completely admit that I am wrong, wrong, wrong. If someone can just show me a practical solution, I haven't seen one yet. Oh, and before I leave this topic, I should mention there is a sort of type of air conditioning that kind of sort of works. And that is a cooler filled with ice with a fan blowing into it. That can work, and some of them are actually fairly sophisticated such that they keep the humidity in the cooler and there's only cold air coming out. But it only works as long as the ice is cold, and honestly, ice is expensive. Um, I had somebody tell me that, what, ice must be really expensive where you are. Well, yeah, it's three bucks a bag, and you're going to need maybe four bags to get through a day, maybe more than that. Plus, you have to empty out the water. I suppose you could recycle it. There's, there's things you can do with water, but... It's not a great solution, and honestly, if you're going to do it, I would say just make your own. Buy a cooler, buy a used cooler, um, fill it up with ice, and watch some of the YouTube videos on how to make it. But you still have the big space problem. I think you're going to end up doing what I do and what other people do, is that you have a lot of fans and a lot of ventilation. I found that all last summer I was able to sleep. My goal was I had to get the inside of the van at 80 or below, if I could do that, then I could sleep comfortably. And I was able to do that every single night. Uh, the worst night was probably in Maine. Even though it was very far north, they were having a heat wave and it was humid. I had every fan going. I had the ventilations going. And I able, actually was able to sleep perfectly all night. Until a pine cone fell on my roof at about 3 o'clock in the morning and scared me silly. But that's another story. Okay, folks, let's do a little tech talk about LED lights. One of the greatest advances for van life has been the introduction of LED lights. LED stands for Light Emitting Diode. Now, that D word, diode, is actually important because these lights are a little bit different than any other light you've ever encountered. A diode is a part of an electrical circuit that allows electricity to go through one way, but not the other. That's what a diode is. It's kind of like a one-way street for electricity. A light-emitting diode is exactly what it sounds like. It's a diode that when electricity is passed through it, it glows. When these diodes glow, they don't give off a lot of heat. And that means they're super efficient. 
LEDs simply use a lot less power to produce the same amount of light. That means you can fill your van with LED lights and not be generating heat and not be using as much battery. So, wow, we are super lucky to be living in a time where LED lights are a thing. They can change colors. They can respond to your voice. You can do all kinds of things with lighting now, and it's great. But there are two things about LED lights that you need to know before you just dive in wholesale. The first is that, like I said, they're diodes, and they need to be wired up correctly. It is literally impossible to wire an incandescent, the old style of lights, wrong. Red and black, or black and red, however you hook them up, they're going to glow because they work on resistance. Power goes through usually a tungsten coil. The tungsten says, hey, I don't like this. I'm going to try to stop this electricity from going through. And that creates basically an electrical friction, which creates heat and light. It's very simple, but it doesn't matter which way the power is going. Diodes, it does matter, so you have to wire them up correctly. There is a positive and a negative, and you must make sure they are correctly wired. If you don't do it that way, if you accidentally wire them the wrong way, you can damage them, although in my experience, they're fairly forgiving. If it doesn't work, unplug it, plug it in the other way. Pretty simple. The other thing you have to worry about is dimming. Incandescent light bulbs are all dimmable because you simply reduce the amount of power going to them and they'll get dimmer. LEDs don't really work like that. You need to get a special kind of dimmer and you need to get an LED that is dimmable. So before you buy your lights, make sure you know what you're going to do about dimming. And I highly recommend dimming because what I've found is that most people will put way too much light in their vans. And if you can't dim it, you, you, you just, you're just like blinded in there. You don't need as much light in a small space. If you have too little light, it's easier to add it. So that's my other tip is add less light than you think you need. And uh, you can always add more. It's not hard. So that's it for Tech Talk on LED lights. Uh, super useful tip there. I'll have some uh, links in the show notes about this. Also, um, if you have a van that doesn't already have LED lights in it, like the dome lights, you can buy LED replacements for those too. And um, I find they're a lot nicer light, they're brighter, and they use less power, which is always a good thing. Tales from the road. This is an old tale from years back. I went to school in Salem, West Virginia. Now, I have a complicated history around Salem's. I grew up in Salem, Massachusetts. I went to Salem College in Salem, West Virginia. I also went to Salem State College in Salem, Massachusetts, and then went back to Salem College in Salem, West Virginia. No one can follow it. But for this story, I was in Salem, West Virginia, which is a small college town uh, population of about 300 and then another 300 or so for the, for the school. I had a friend there by the name of Danny, and uh, Danny had just found out that his girlfriend was cheating on him, and he was very unhappy. And, you know, he came to me looking for solace, and I thought, okay, I'm going to take charge of this. Let's go. Grabbed the keys to the car, made Danny get in the car, and we drove off with purpose. Didn't really know what that purpose was. I just knew that I needed to do something, and we're going to have this purpose. So I drove to this place called Dog Run Road. Uh, everything in that part of West Virginia is a run. There's all, every animal has a run named after it. There's just runs and they're, they're just creeks. Dog Run Road had a reservoir and um, I figured, well, we're going to go there. It's nighttime. We're going to drive through the woods and go to this, this little reservoir. There won't be anybody there and we can just sit and talk it out. 
And I'm driving perhaps a little faster than I should be to kind of add to the adventure mode of this journey to take away from Danny being upset. So we're driving down this one-lane dirt road, and we get up to the reservoir, and it's pitch black because there aren't any lights. And I go down the boat ramp because I figure, what the heck? And then I realize that the boat ramp isn't all that solid. In fact, the boat ramp is just mud. So I step on the brakes, and the car doesn't stop. It just keeps going down the boat ramp, not terribly fast, but persistently, until the front wheels enter the water, and the bumper enters the water, and finally stop. The engine is safely out of the water, but the car is in the water. And it was a rear-wheel drive car, and it wasn't moving. I put it in reverse, even though it was standard shift. No, not getting out of there. So, turns out this is a great way to get someone's mind off of a breakup. Put them in peril. <laughs> I'm not recommending this, but it does work. So we're out in the middle of uh, a, f- a fairly rural part of West Virginia uh, at a reservoir pretty far away from the nearest house and the car is not going to move and it's probably 11 o'clock at night. So the only thing, now and remember, I'm old. This is way before cell phones. So uh, there was no like picking up the cell phone and calling for help. So the only thing to do was to walk. And uh, we walked back to town, which took about 90 minutes, and uh, found a gas station with a tow truck, and they came and towed me out. But that's not the end of the story. The walk back was actually kind of magical. It was one of these perfect temperature evenings, starry skies, and uh, we're in the woods, and we came across this site that on the ground in front of us were all these glowing spots, and they were rhythmically pulsing. All in the same frequency. And I, at first, I had no idea what it was. Remember, this is in the 80s. This, we didn't have LED lights. It wasn't like some kids had dropped their little lights on the ground or anything like that. This was something natural. This was something organic. And what it turned out to be was glowworms. You may have heard of glowworms, but I don't think that many people have actually seen them. There were all these worms in front of us, and and they're actually larvae of some sort of a beetle. And they were glowing together, pulsing. I don't know why. I don't know what advantage it served to them evolutionarily, but it created this magical walk for us. And by the time we got back to town, Danny wasn't upset anymore. He had come to terms with the situation, and he realized what he had to do. So... Mission accomplished. Okay, here's a rather unusual product review. My van is not a high top. It's actually a very, very low roof van because it's an NV200. It's a very small van. So I spend a lot of time in my van on my knees. And it hurts. Uh, My knees are not in great shape. I'm 53 years old and kneeling is not that simple. So I bought one of those mats that you put in front of a sink. A standing mat, I call it. Uh, it's a big foam rubber mat, and that takes up most of the floor of my van. And it, it's great. It serves so many purposes. I had no idea how much I would love this thing. First off, I can kneel in there without pain. Second, it provides this uh, insulating layer, so that part of the floor is a little better insulated. And 
it is like a removable rug that I can take out and wash. So if, it, if mud or whatever gets on it, it just comes right out and washes off. It's completely impervious. This is more of a tip than a product review, but yeah, I'll have a link in the show notes to one of these. You can find them anywhere, but consider having one in your van. Even if you have a high top, it just, instead of having like a little rug or a little plastic mat for your boots, consider having one of these because there's a lot of places you could use this. Even if you break down, if you have to crawl under the van, you could grab this mat and throw it under there and lay on it and it wouldn't kill you. So one of the best things I bought for the van, the standing mat. So if I say the word road trip, instantly in your head, you probably hear the song, get your kicks on Route 66, whether it's the Depeche Mode version or any of the other versions before that. And Route 66 is a great road, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. Uh, Also, Route 66 kind of doesn't exist anymore. I'll probably talk about that in a future episode. I want to tell you about a different road that you can drive, and you will have a completely different experience. It is called the Lincoln Highway. The Lincoln Highway was a highway, quote-unquote highway, established in 1913. Imagine that. This was the first road that went completely across the country that was designed for motor cars. I can't imagine how long it would take to drive a 1913-era vehicle from New York City to San Francisco, but that's where this route goes. In all my travels uh, in the Midwest, I've come across this thing dozens of times. As I live in Chicago, and the Lincoln Highway comes through Chicago, or, or at least near it, cuts across Illinois, goes all through Iowa, all through Nebraska, all through Wyoming to Salt Lake City, all through the most rural parts of Nevada, finally crossing into California and San Francisco, and and heading east from Chicago, it goes to Pittsburgh and all through Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and then shoots north to New York. But none of it's interstate. It's all side roads. And it's just fascinating, the stuff you see if you can do this. I have a bucket list that I may not ever be able to meet, but I would love to drive the entirety of the Lincoln Highway from coast to coast in a van. And I may get to do that. I've driven substantial parts of it. I have uh, driven basically all of the Nevada, Utah, Wyoming, Nebraska, Iowa, and Illinois parts more or less, hopping on and off. I've seen some weird things. Cozad, Nebraska. Cozad, Nebraska remains one of the strangest towns I've ever visited. The cemetery there... This is a rural Nebraska town, very flat, lots of corn, lots of cows, and the cemetery with this kiosk that when you walk up to it, a glass screen lowers, and then a video screen comes on and talks to you about the people buried there, and you can actually, like, hear the dead people talk. Weirdest thing I've found in a rural place, but it's there in Cozad, Nebraska, if you want to check that out, and that's right on the Lincoln Highway. So if you're looking to plan like the epic road trip and you think Route 66 is kind of cliche, which it is and it isn't, there's lots of wonders on Route 66, I am not dismissing it, consider the Lincoln Highway. And one of the most fun things about the Lincoln Highway is finding the old sign. It was basically a white post with red paint at the top, blue paint at the bottom, and a big L on it. And you'll now you have maybe even seen these in your travels and not know what they are. They are the Lincoln Highway mileposts, and it would be an interesting trip just to take a picture of every single one. You will go crazy places. It'll take you to Carson City, Nevada. I mean, just in Nevada alone. 
It'll take you to Reno, Carson City, Lake Tahoe, uh, the National Automobile Museum, which is in Reno, the historic Stone Tower in Austin, a settler's cabin in Eureka, and the courthouse in Fallon, which was built in 1903, which would kind of be right around the time the Lincoln Highway was really becoming a thing. Anyway, I just want to point out that there are many other road trips you can take other than Route 66, and the Lincoln Highway might be the best of them. Okay, real quick resource idea. Um, my van, NV200, has a very strange tire size. It's one of the criticisms of the van, but I was able to find great tires for it at simpletire.com. This is not a paid endorsement. I don't get any money. I'm just telling you that I had a good experience with them because they had a great tire that nobody else had, and it was from Thailand. It's called, it's a terrible name, it's called a Thunderer Ranger. I don't know where the name comes from. It's it's a crappy name. It's hard to say. I don't want tires that thunder. But these tires are great. They were 75 bucks a piece, which I think is very affordable for a, a weird size tire. When I put them on the van, it was like driving a completely new vehicle. So if you're having trouble finding hard-to-find tires, which is a little bit of an oxymoron, if you're having trouble finding tires, give Simple Tire a look. There's other online sources like Tire Rack and whatever, and they can even arrange that you can pick up your tires at a local tire installer shop and they'll install the tires for you. I actually had mine installed at Costco. I'm a Costco member, and even though they didn't have the tires, I talked with the manager and he agreed that he would install tires for me, uh, which is something you can do, but you have to arrange for it ahead of time. So, Simple Tire, a place to look for tires that might be hard to find. Thank you for listening to this episode 15. I am Jeff Wagg from the College of Curiosity, and I do appreciate you being here. Music was by Simon Wagg, a.k.a. Sir Mooge. Next time, we're going to talk about sex in a van. There's a little more going on than you might think. In the meantime, you will see the number 79 everywhere you go. Just watch. <laughs>